This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 272. If you're engaging in a behavior that you think is proof that something's wrong with you or you're broken in some way, I invite you to consider that there's a reason that you're doing that because at some point in your life, you landed on that behavior because it worked at a time you didn't have other capabilities to look after whatever it was your need was at that time. So for a lot of people, when you think back on the food stuff, you can identify maybe a time in your life when you really started using food in a way that isn't really what it's intended for. I mean, food is uh, sustenance, right? right? It's look after our biological hunger, Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. I know that life gets busy and that there are so many things on our agendas. You taking time to stop in on the show, listen to the awesome expertise that's going to be shared today, and just investing this time in yourself, in your growth as a coach, as a leader, in whatever capacity you are listening to the show, I'm delighted to have you here and delighted to introduce you to my guest. Now, today we're going to be talking about disrupting our default paths, the kinds of things that we automatically do that don't always serve us. Now, my guest is a dietitian, she's a nutrition professional, and Along with that, she coaches, she speaks, she writes. She's a champion of high achievers eager to get control of their eating. Irene Pace helps smart, successful folks get peace with food and pants that fit. Irene is an absolute delight. She is going to talk to us today about the kinds of patterns that we fall into, and she'll use food as an example with that. But this is what's just so phenomenal. We align that with all sorts of different behaviors. We use food as the example, but I will tell you that this applies to our leadership traits. This applies to the way that we engage with our families, the way that we potentially procrastinate or put things off or or don't engage fully with the kinds of things that we believe we need to, but for whatever reason, we fall into a pattern that pulls us away from that. So Irene is going to give us some specific information about how to disrupt those default paths that we fall into that don't always serve us. And she does so in a way that is engaging, storytelling, motivating. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Irene Pace, Let's go to my interview, and I'll see you on the other side. Irene Pace, welcome to the Star Coach Show. We had a little bit of an issue with Mother Nature trying to get this done, didn't we? 
We did. We had a beautiful dumping of all kinds of white stuff here where I am. And we were kind of buried in for uh, for the day of our original recording. I'm so glad that you are so flexible to reschedule and that we're able to, because we're talking about some really important things about, you know, Uh, the recognition of the patterns that we fall into, the recognition that even when we're an expert, that doesn't mean that we don't also need experts in our lives, or as you like to say, outside eyes on that. We're going to be looking at a lot of those things. And and for you listeners who you, you come from all these different places to do the work that you do. And the thing that Irene and I are talking about today, I think is just like looking at what's going on internally for each one of us and how we want to move forward with that. So I'd love to start with a little bit about what lights you up about what you do and the journey that has sort of taken you to where you are right now. Yeah, thanks, Meg. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, we're, there's, we all have this history of how we got to where we are, right? It didn't right. start with one thing, but there certainly are these pivotal moments or for sports fans, I like to think of it as the TSN turning point or, you know, that point in the game where it's like something switched. And, and one of those moments for me that brought me to the work the way I'm doing it now was when I, as a nutrition professional, landed myself in trouble with food. And it was a moment where I had this big aha that said, hang on, there's something more here than what I've been seeing in this. So I was on a drive home from a friend's house. And it was a time in my life where I had a lot of personal, really heavy personal challenges going on. So coming off being home for a significant amount of time with my three children and women in the you know, women listeners who've been through that, where you've had this period of time where you've been away from your career that is fulfilling for you, that you draw self-esteem from, that brings all of those things. It can be this really strange transitional time. My marriage was in a really challenging place. And I had come from visiting a friend and was on this drive home late at night. It was dark and I was feeling really, really low. And I pulled off the highway into a donut shop and bought two donuts and ate them in my car with this intense, (laughs) impulsive kind of eating, right? And as I'm doing it, of course, in my head, I'm going, you know, this is wrong. You spend your entire day helping people not do this exact thing. And here you are in the car, like inhaling donuts. Well, I stopped a second time and got three more donuts. And then I stopped a third time and went into a gas station rest stop and bought two Haagen-Dazs bars. And it was just the most, it was so extreme that I actually was pulling off the highway to get food. And it was a really powerful moment later on. Of course, in the moment, I'm in this huge moment. Yeah eating and shame and guilt and feeling all these awful things like who are you and what's going on and i had had i'd been using food leading up to that big moment for a little while to cope so mm-hmm. that was a point where uh, you know shortly after that i just as i came out of this thinking what's going on here because if this is about knowing what to do then i wouldn't be here because i have 
you know, years at that point, I think it was maybe 15 years into my career of helping people with food. So there's something else here that helps us move from just knowing what to do to actually doing it. What's the mindset game? So that's, yeah, that's where I was at that point that shifted things to be where I am now. So with that, and that's such a powerful story uh, and highlights that aspect of just because we know doesn't mean we're going to do or apply. Many of our clients have the knowledge they need. Many of us as coaches, we know we've studied leadership or wellness or relationships or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily mean sort of that concept of the shoemakers, shoe children are shoeless or whatever that expression is. Yeah. So with that, you know, what are some of the things that you then took that pivot experience for yourself and made some choices or looked at some things moving forward? What are some of the lessons learned? Yeah, there's two key pieces here. One of them has to do with recognizing when we need help. And this for me was another one of those turning points to say, I'm not behaving. I'm not engaging in the behavior I want to. And this really matters to me. So instead of continuing to force through doing it alone, why don't I deserve to get help for myself in this the same way that my clients do when they come and hire me? Well, part of the story, of course, when we're in trouble in the same space we coach in, there's this huge identity challenge, right? right. So same with the financial advisor who's having money problems. Exactly, you know, the right. Psychologist who has a heart attack. I mean, these are the things that we let our identity get in the way of us getting the help that we really need. So, of course, you know, funny thing for me is I thought, well... Uh, I can get a, a personal trainer. Like that was my first step into the, okay, I can get help, but I couldn't. But it had to be distant enough <laughs> from what you do. It's close, but it's, it's not exactly what I do. So this would be okay. And you know, it's these stepping stones though. We, we get to give ourselves permission to have that oh, too. Absolutely. That was the stepping stone for me that then eventually allowed me to go, Irene, sweetheart, what you really need here is a nutrition coach. And even in that, you know, my brain kind of played the tricks on me that was like, well, it'll be a great empathy exercise for you to go through the nutrition work as a client. And so I did eventually hire someone and it was, it was absolutely life-changing in terms of the focus on, on really on mindset and what was going on underneath the eating. What is my eating at the effect of not, you know, what do I need to know more of? Because mm -hmm. we can all, you know, whatever your area of practice is, you can Google stuff and get all kinds of really awesome information online, but to then put it into practice, what is it that gets in the way of us being able to do that? So lots around mindset and really seeing the value of having I call them outside eyes. So, mm -hmm. and someone who is there to help me move through what I want to move through. I've hired them. The relationship is clear that way. And you and I talked a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah. So, today. let's share a little bit more yeah. about that. This was an interesting conversation we had right before we started recording. Talk a little bit about your perspective of the importance of hiring somebody, particularly as a helping professional. 
Yeah. And you, this may resonate with your listeners as well. If you're in a role, whether it's your actual paid work is as a helper of some sort, you're a coach of some sort, you're a professional that provides your service in the form of guidance of some kind, or even if you're a leader and you really stand in that place of leading the team or leading the folks around you, it can be really easy for us to default into helping leading mode even in situations where we've initiated the engagement for helping us. So let's say you're calling a friend or you're leaning on even another colleague and you engage from a place where you're coming because you want some help, but pretty quickly you find yourself doing the helping, right? Right. Or you have a hard time not wanting to burden the other person with your stuff or, you know, feeling like you're, I don't know. We get yeah, in that there's place, a, there's right? This guilt or this like, oh, you know what? I it's so easy to kind of trigger into the place of giving instead of receiving. Yes. And when you have that energy that you do that work and you do it well, it's almost like you draw that dynamic out of the other person too. So even right. though the like they start leaning on you just because energetically you do that well. So I recognized when I hired somebody to help me, that it changed things for me in a way that I could let go of the guilt and that feeling to be responsible for that other person in the dynamic, because I could remind myself I've hired them and I've done that to focus on me and my stuff. And they know that that's the engagement. It's clear, you know, I'm signing the check they're accepting it. And we both arrive in the space with those clear roles. And I was really able to move through the work more quickly by keeping, by having that kind of safety net for myself. On that clear boundary that actually can help the professional as well. I mean, if, if you have been hired by somebody and they're trying to engage you in, you know, that's not really a comfortable dynamic either. It's like, you know, let me do the work that you hired me to do with you. But I love that mindset shift that you're, you know, when I invest in myself, I'm investing myself to get somewhere. Therefore, I can let go of the role of helper, healer, whatever it is, and really engage in what is this process that I need to fully do for my growth and development. Absolutely. And I mean, hey, listen, Meg, we like to connect with the people that are helping us in a way that feels good. And it's not like I wouldn't refer to these helpers even as friends or we, we have the fun social banter and other things outside of it. When we arrive on the call, that is my time. It's my time and I'm okay to flip the switch and say, this is, this is about me. We don't start with banter about, like, I don't start saying, how are you? Like, that's an invitation for me to, you know, have, get into the helping role. So right. it's an interesting thing that I don't think I would have seen as clearly as I do now without having hired a coach myself. And when you are in that role as a client, you always get to bring that learning into your own coaching practice. So from that, I mean, I'm so super clear with those boundaries with my clients as well. And some of them are, we begin in a friendship circle or we Mm -hmm. begin in a place where we were attending an event together, both as attendees. And we, we connected that way first. When it comes to the coaching relationship, you know, in our onboarding, we talk about 
hey, I know we have this other part of our life together, but you've invested to be here and I'm going to keep us focused on you when we're in this place. You can ask about my kids and how work's going and all that stuff on the other times, but when we're here, it's this. And it's really powerful and freeing for them too, to right. be able to focus on themselves, right? You're giving them permission to focus on themselves and that you don't have any expectations because I think on some level, people want to please the people that they're working with. So we want to please our doctors or we want to please, we want to be. So by you being able to say, that's not an expectation. You don't need to check in on me. You don't, I mean, I'm happy to do that at other times or whatever, but during this time, let's fully engage in what you need during this time. What a Oh, okay. It's like you're set, you're marking the path forward and I don't have to carry any guilt or confusion about what, what are the dynamics here? Yeah. And as I'm listening to you describe it, really what we're doing is creating safety for them as well, right? Safety to show up as you are, safety to not have to take care of me. And we all know if we're looking at doing change, especially if it's, you know, difficult change, We do that as humans better from a place of safety than we do from this sort of, you know, boot camp coach, like, you know, beating, raining down terror on you for change, which is in the diet and fitness industry is so present and in other places as well. And what we do to ourselves, right? We think we have to be harder on ourselves versus gentler with ourselves. And that's how we fast track things. I can tell you from, you know, almost two decades of doing this now that I see the complete opposite. You know, the fastest way to move forward with a change you want to make is create safety around yourself enough that you can really engage with the work. And that happens when boundaries are nice and clear for us. So that was one big takeaway that happened on this, you know, this inhaling donut moment that brought me to hire a coach. And then this kind of learning came out of it. And the other piece you actually mentioned already had a lot to do with permission and recognizing, you know, giving myself permission to be human first and that the human experience includes a whole mess of stuff, whether my brain has studied nutrition for, you know, a decade and uh, worked in it for another decade, my body doesn't know that it's, you know, it's supposed to do X, Y, and Z because I'm a nutrition professional. My body just knows what it knows. And if it is turning to food for something, there's got to be a reason for that. So that was the other big piece that Mm. is really in my work now is helping all of us, helping us to see that when we're engaging in a behavior of some sort, you know, every behavior is an attempt to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. even if it's not the best solution. Right. Right. We're not in the business of going about even this word self-sabotage. I'm not a fan of, I think we've got conflicting priorities that go on at times. Two parts of us are kind of battling with one another, but the idea that we would engage intentionally or, you know, in these activities that would sabotage ourselves, it's not that it's that there's these two parts of us that are at odds with one another. So you know, I can talk about this in relation to food because that's my right. space. If you want me to kind of tell yeah, you a little bit more about that. Yeah, go ahead and give a little that. example. Yeah. 
Yeah. So as I kind of took a deep dive into why do we do this? Why does someone who has all this knowledge about food land in this place? Why do smart people who solve all kinds of other big problems in their lives, you know, fall prey to a bag of chips at 10 PM? Like, what is that about for us? And when we look at our, when we look at our brains and our nervous system, when it comes to this, we have these, uh, you know, there's, there's activation in these key neural networks in our brain that produce this sense of reward and pleasure. So you've heard about this as, you know, dopamine hits or right. that kind of thing. And what we know about food is food is something that activates this part of the brain. And these sweet, salty, fatty foods do this, as well as things like positive human interaction and doing work that aligns with, with what your beliefs are, or values are. So all of these other things that give us this hit of pleasure and reward, food does too. So this story that we've all told ourselves and that our you know, diet industry has told us about food is that you are bad or broken, or there's something weird or wrong with you that you know better, but are doing it anyhow. And choosing food to solve to help yourself through a difficult time, like it was for me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in this awful place, stress. And I mean, we've had enough of that over the pandemic, right? right? That food is a solution that works. It actually does what you're asking it to do in the moment. Right. Which is why so many people talk about their COVID-15 or their COVID-20, because there's been so much stress and we've been in the house with food and those so it does. So to your point, Irene, it's not like you're you're doing it and it's not media. It really actually gives you that hit. It does. And so if the, you know, one of the things you can focus on, and again, I'm using food, but this rolls out into all kinds of other areas of your life. If you're engaging in a behavior that you think is proof that something's wrong with you or you're broken in some way, I invite you to consider that there's a reason that you're doing that because at some point in your life, you landed on that behavior because it worked Mm -hmm. at a time you didn't have other capabilities to look after whatever it was your need was at that time. So for a lot of people, when you think back on the food stuff, you can identify maybe a time in your life when you really started using food in a way that isn't really what it's intended for. I mean, food is uh, sustenance, right? It, right it's right. It look after our biological hunger, but it does all these other things too. So you landed on food because you didn't have another solution. Now you're a different person with a different set of capabilities, a different ability to grow and change and you know, different level of autonomy to make mm-hmm. choices if you used food back to a time you were a child. So If we look at saying, okay, instead of this being a sign I'm bad or broken, this is actually a sign that I'm brilliant because at some point I didn't have another solution or tool and I landed on this thing that actually works. And now I'm also brilliant because I'm recognizing it's, you know, was adaptive at one point. Now it's maladaptive and I am capable of learning to do it a different way. It opens up. You know, yeah, all these opportunities, all these options. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I love that you're framing it like, so you're brilliant. You're realizing it. You took care of yourself at the time. And now it's like when we recognize what do we want to do differently? 
So my guess is that this falls into what you were talking about in recognizing the patterns and recognizing our pull into things. Can you tell us a little bit about your process through that? Yeah. So from that moment of, you know, from my kind of launching into this area of work and, and I've tried to describe what this is and, and, you know, folks often say, well, you're kind of like, it's kind of like couples therapy between you and food. Like, it's like, we're looking at the relationship, right. And, and what is the dynamic there and why am I choosing food and what is my eating at the effect of what are all the things under there? And so the, Over that work, I've come up with a three-step process, practice, I like to call it, that you can engage in that will give you that invitation to make change often throughout the day. So it looks like this. So the first step is to greet the pull. So when I'm talking about pull, it's kind of an easy thing to think about with food, right? Like you feel the draw to food. You're like, you're cruising the cupboards or standing in front of the fridge, like something that says, oh, I need to eat something, a craving, whatever you want to call it. So when you feel that pull, greet it, recognize it's there. You know, I have my clients do like a hand wave, like, hello, Paul, there you are, you know, (laughs) bring yourself into the moment to recognize this is a pull that's going on. And the same practice happens if it's like social media or, you know, retail therapy, or you have a pull to even, you know, Um, snip at your kids or your spouse. Like when you feel that pull to something, you can greet it and say, there you are. I see you. I recognize this pattern in me. Hello. Mm -hmm. Hello. Mm -hmm. Hello. Here you are. It's like they're knocking at your door, right? Right. You've had someone has arrived. They're knocking at the door. You don't have to be happy they're there, but you're going to open the door and say, hi, I see you. There you are. Mm -hmm. The second step is to create a pause. So when you're changing behavior, you're really, you're really doing brain work, like you're changing and rewiring patterns. So we need to disrupt whatever our default path is in that moment if we want to make a change. Otherwise, we land blindly down following through the thing, right. doing it the way we've always done it. And again, that's not a fault as a human that's a requirement for us to survive, right? Mm-hmm. We, we need to be able to have a whole bunch of things run on autopilot for us so that we can do the higher level thinking stuff. So we need to, if we want to change something, disrupt that, that pattern. And we do that by creating this space to pause. And in that pause, you take a breath, you do something that's helping to kind of calm you down. And there's a lot more to this. I won't get into now, but step two is creating this pause and disrupting that pattern. And then step three is giving yourself permission. So when I'm talking about food and permission, it's about giving yourself permission to recognize that food is a solution you've used to look after yourself for a really long time. And sometimes the intensity of what's going on for you in that moment requires you to look after yourself. And it's okay to choose food to do that if that's what you need to do in that moment. You looking after yourself trumps the change process in some moments. In other moments, you can recognize that, okay, I'm going to give myself permission to choose here. I can choose food or I can choose one of these other options, which is part of the work we do is figuring out what what other things are. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. they're immediately at hand when you're in that place of, of going through this three-part process. Yeah. And yeah. so 
it becomes that anytime you have a pull to some behavior, Meg, that you're wanting to change, it's an invitation. It's not a have to, it's an invitation. You can accept it sometimes and not accept it sometimes. I mean, you don't have to accept every invitation, every party you're invited to. You get to say yes to some and no to others, but it's an invitation that you don't have to block time in your calendar for, or, you know, put up sticky notes for, or that pull to food or that pull to that thing is going to come. So when it does, it can be a really powerful change tool. Beautiful. So. When we think about the just the whole concept of recognizing our patterns, giving maybe re- let go of the guilt and the shame and the blame that we put on ourselves for any pattern that doesn't necessarily fit well for us, what else do we want to be able to explore around that, if anything? In terms of the, uh, in terms of the patterns and patterns, or even the work that you do with your, your clients to kind of help them maybe begin to engage this on a, like make it into a habitual behavior that they're like maybe going through their three-part process or what, you know, where do you take your clients next as you're working through these? these Yes. So once uh, the first practice which is so sometimes, you know, can feel, listen, I work with us and your listeners, type Ayers, people who've achieved big things. They've made, you know, they, in terms of the external world would be assumed to be successful and all of this kind of stuff. So they're folks that really want to drive. So when they sign up, they want to like, they want to get all the gold stars and they want to finish yesterday, you know, tomorrow's exercise today and all that kind of thing. So the first part of this process can feel really unfamiliar because where we start is we just, we start with discovery. So practice one is recognizing the pull and greeting it. Full stop. That's it. That's the practice. Don't change anything. Don't expect yourself to change anything. You're not greeting the pull with the expectation that you're not going to eat the thing. You need to practice greeting the pull and being in awareness with full permission to then do whatever you need. It's breaking it down into those parts so that once you groove that greeting of the pull and you find yourself doing that practice without a huge amount of effort that you're in this place of consciousness and you notice it, it's like working a muscle, right? Exactly. Yeah. We've got to raise awareness first. We've got raise awareness before we do anything else. And I think about all the different, like you said, this definitely makes sense with food, but think about all the different things. I think about the new coaches that I work with and that they feel this pull to solve for the client yeah. or this pull to have all the answers, or they accidentally kind of get caught in their own ego and that puts them solidly in the middle of the session. So sometimes it's just recognize, recognize when that, I know what they need to do comes up inside of you and just recognize it at first, you know, recognize that I'm feeling pulled into solving for this, being a hero and solving or whatever. So I love this exact, I mean, it definitely makes sense for food and it makes sense for so many of the behaviors that come up in our life. It does. And it works. It really works for anything that you feel that some kind of pull to some kind of, you know, if there's an impulsivity behind it, it usually is grounded in something deeper. There's a saying, um, if it's hysterical, it's historical. 
And I love that one because it really does speak to the fact that we have all this knowledge we walk around with, like up in our higher level thinking part of our brain. Our body is this deep well of historical knowledge. So when when you find yourself reacting in some way that seems disproportionate to the actual situation that you're in that outside eyes might say, whoa, like that was a big reaction for that little thing. It's likely coming from somewhere deeper and it shows up in food and it shows up in these places where even what you're talking about with new coaches and Hey, all of us. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe not just new coaches, coaches as a whole. Yeah. Helping (laughs) professionals. Yeah. Yeah. We learn, you know, over time you gain some wisdom and have these tools through practice to recognize these things in yourself, but yeah, anywhere you feel that pull and the key to adding the greeting part, Meg is greeting. It incorporates a whole bunch of stuff. It brings you in, it drops you into consciousness in the moment right? Because you're saying, I'm greeting it. It brings a sense of sometimes acceptance is too hard at first. Like it's too big of a a step to accept the behavior. But if we greet it, we're just holding space for it to be there. Mm -hmm. And And there's there for a reason. So it's it's just maybe acknowledging that. Yeah. Acknowledging and, and you hold space for it, that if you can hold that space and park the the criticism, bring, you know, compassion instead of criticism and, and park the judgment. So you come with curiosity about it. Hey, who's at the door, right? There's a sense of like this practice usually brings about all kinds of change without me ever having to guide them into that. That's the power of that initial power of awareness. Yeah. Power of awareness. Yeah. So yeah, anywhere you feel that pull, you can engage in this practice, greet it, and then see what comes, get curious about it, discover about it. And then from there, you know, in terms of your question about where do we go, when we add the piece of creating the pause, there's a bunch of tools that we work Mm -hmm. with in that space. And then when we look at permission, we really look at expanding the range of options that are available to you, including always including the one that is your default. So whatever that might be, know that you did that for a reason. And you can always choose that if you need to. Of course, what tends to happen is when you give yourself permission, other things open up, right? Other things open up. But I love that concept of I'm not taking this away from you or you're not, it's, it's, so it respects the client's autonomy and it respects this, that we're not going to get into a power struggle. This is always your choice. It's your, and you have this plethora of choices. And as we talk about things, you're more and more choices come. So the more, the more we have on the buffet, perhaps the, the more healthy our choices will be. Absolutely. And reminder in that too, that we can choose, we have permission to choose and we have permission to give ourselves permission. And when we engage in these really impulsive behaviors that kind of have some historical grounding or ego types of driven things, we tend to allow ourselves to forget that we get to choose. And, you know, I jokingly stay with clients like, Hey, you're like a grown ASS adult, right? Mm -hmm. You can choose If you want to have a chocolate bar at midnight, you get to have a chocolate bar at midnight. If you want to have, you know, if you want to eat the whole pie instead of a piece of pie, you get to choose that. Nobody else gets to choose that for you anymore. 
And, and we forget that those younger parts of us show up and follow through all these shoulds and shoulds nots and rules and expectations that are really not even our own. They're like masquerading as ours, but they come from somewhere else. So that piece, again, as a, as a new coach, even you don't have to do it the way your mentor did it or the way you read in a book, like you get to create this, which can be scary. And at the same time, freeing to really. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So good. So Irene, I, as always time flies when I'm with such interesting people and, and just love the concepts that you're bringing forward. How can people learn more about you and the work that you do? Yeah, the best place to find me, Meg, is is through my website. And it's www.irenepace.com. So I-R-E-N-E-P-A-C-E.com. And from there, you can link out to social media or connect with me if you're curious to know more about what it's like to work together. And I've got my, my book is on there as well. You can access that through there if you want to learn a little more about this work and if it fits for you. So good. We will have the link for Irene's website in the show notes for this episode. Irene, thanks so much for taking time out of your snow-laden busy day (laughs) to share your expertise with us. It was a joy. Thanks so much, Meg. I really enjoyed being here with you. There you have another perspective about coaching, about what we bring forward for our clients and how we connect with what's going on within ourselves to be the best we can be for ourselves and for the people that we partner with through our coaching. If you'd like to know more about Irene Pace, go to starcoachshow.com slash 272, starcoachshow.com slash 272 and access the show notes with all of the links to be able to connect with Irene. Now, I often get asked by my listeners, you know, what can we do to help support you? You're putting the show out every week. It's a a great value to us, which I'm so pleased about and so excited. And actually something has come up that I would very much appreciate your help with and only my audience can do it. So Throughout the years that I've done the Star Coach show, I haven't been overly worried about sponsorships. I haven't really gone. Sometimes I'll use affiliates links and things that I believe in to kind of use as sponsors for the show, but I haven't actually done a sponsorship for the show. And uh, there's a competition underway to get like sponsorship money for your show. And one of the ways that you do that, one of the things that is in the competition is for people to write love letters or, you know, quick testimonials about what they like about the show, about what the show brings to them. So it's called Leaving a Love Letter. There is a link for it in the show notes. It'll say, help Meg earn a sponsorship for the show. Leave a love letter here. There's a little link. You go there. There's just a little box. You put something in there about what you value about the show, and I would be so appreciative. Thank you so very much. The great thing about this is that there's really no commercial or anything that will come in. It's just sort of sponsorship money to help me continue the show. 
So thank you for that in advance. Once again, that's at starcoachshow.com slash 272 and the bottom of the show notes, help Meg earn sponsorship. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to have you come back again next week as we continue to explore strategies, tools, and resources to be the best we can be in the profession that we have. And I hope that you have a fantastic week.